Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Scanner Podcast. I am your host, Eric Feigl, and I'm joined once again with Paul Argent. He is the owner of Human Movement based out of London, England, and he is a muscle activation technique specialist. So we, uh, I just want to reference the podcast we did before because we kind of got into a, a ton of different things. We got off topic a little bit and kind of started to rant a little bit. And before we knew it, we kind of realized we didn't really go into very many specifics with how you can actually use uh, MAT technique to, to improve strength, range of motion, prevent injury. And so we kind of want to give some practical application here of how someone can use it and what it really is and, um, and kind of go from there. So, Paul, welcome back to the show. Sure, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me again. No, no problem. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your background, what you do, and, and we can kind of dive in from there. All right. Sounds good. So um, yes, uh, I'm a muscle activation technique specialist. Um, I mainly use it for the purposes of uh, injury rehab. Uh, most of my clients have uh, been through the mill in some way or another. Uh, they're trying to get back to uh, where they were before, if not stronger. And MAT is a great tool to have at your disposal when you're trying to get people stronger. Um, it gives you, the, uh, gives you a very clear indication of uh, where people are weak. And it gives you the tools to change that pretty much on the spot and then progress them, progress them forward. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, so that's a pretty good background. If, if people want to learn more just about, you know, specifically uh, what, it, what that is exactly, they can, I'll, I'll link to the um, other podcast. But tell us a little bit more um, about the, the kind of things that you see when people come in, specifically with uh, the central nervous system and, and why, uh, why these techniques may, may help that area. Okay, so... Fundamentally, what I'm looking for is uh, muscles that aren't able to contract effectively. Okay. So that means that in their shortened position, um, the, the muscle itself is not able to generate a contraction and sustain a contraction. So what we do is we look for big asymmetries in range of motion, comparing one side of the body to the other. And then where we see these limits, we uh, ascribe the limitation to muscle weakness um, and not muscle tightness. So, you know, it, it, the, the strap line is um, tightness is secondary to weakness. So what, what the aim of, of, of the technique is, is really to improve the ability of those muscles to contract in their shortened range. And that then... Um, flows over into the rest of uh, the rest of the muscles 
con contractile um, range. So if they can produce a contraction in that short position, then they can produce a contraction everywhere along that, that range that the muscle is, is asked to, um, to, to contract over. So what does that exactly look like in terms of how, um, how you, you intervene with one of your, your clients? What, you know, I, I don't, I, you could pick any, any muscle group you want to, but um, you know, if, you're, if you're trying to get that result, what does that actually look like? So uh, I'll give you a typical example is, uh, so I, I deal with a lot, a lot of uh, runners and it's very common to see runners break down in uh, pronation. So that's uh, a number of motions covering the foot, ankle, tibia, uh, hip and the trunk. But you'll usually see in a, in a runner and particularly on the side that they're having uh, issues with, say with their knee or with the hip, you'll see limitations in internal hip rotation, for example. So uh, I'll take a look at, uh, and we have testing positions for every muscle. So I'll take a look at every single muscle that has the ability to rotate the hip inwards. Okay, so I'll take the muscle into the testing position. So it's going to be in the plane that the muscle dominates and it's going to be in the shortest position I can get it. And I'll ask the client to hold the position while I apply a light force out of the position. Um, and if they're unable to do that, or they're unable to sustain it, or I see a lot of compensation somewhere else, I'll presume that the muscle is, um, is weak. And weak in terms of, um, this is a, a neurological response test, if you like. So this is not um, a strength test per se. This okay. is, can, can, can the client generate a contraction? Can they can they stop me from moving them out of that position? I see. So you're not, you're not exactly talking about um, muscle force in terms of do they have that, that power to do it? It's just, are they able to maintain that? Right. So you could, you could stick somebody on, um, well, let's say, you know, you could have somebody that can squat three times their body weight, for example, but you can still put them on the table and you can find muscles that are involved in the squat that are weak. Okay. So, so they're compensating around, around these muscles. And once you get this stuff working, you know, guess what? The, the squat gets even better. So, um, you know, we're trying to move from this kind of global exercise where the client is able to compensate around a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And we're trying yeah. to reduce the, 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 their ability to do that and find out, okay, what, what's actually going on here. So let's stick with that runner uh, that you're talking about. What kind of positions do you put them in or that person in uh, to, to view what, what needs to be corrected? So they're lying on the table. Um, I'll, first of all, I'll ask them to actively rotate one hip in. And then I'll ask them to actively rotate the other one in. And then I'll also passively take the joint um, in by myself just to see exactly what, what the capability of the joint is and where they're actually able to get to in terms of muscle contraction. Um, so once I decide one side is more limited, um, then I'm looking at every single muscle and I can't remember how many we're looking at now, I can name them, but it's probably 17, 18 muscles that have the ability to rotate that hip in. So it's all of the, uh, all of the adductors some of the abductors and yep. um, some of the hip flexors as well. Right. So if you, if you see some like obvious range of motion, um, 
what's your very next step? So then um, I'm testing the muscles that are involved in that. If I, if I see weakness, then I'm either applying a, a low intensity isometric. Okay. Um, or I'm using a palpation on the origin and insertion of that, that particular muscle. So I'm just bumping along the muscular tenderness unit. Um, and that has the effect of, well, to be honest, we don't really know what it does, but there seems to be um, some kind of, you get some kind of upward barrage from the proprioceptors that you're, you're, you're pressing on. And that seems to have the effect of uh, increasing the ability of that, that muscle to contract. You know, one or the other doesn't always work. So if, if I can't get anywhere with the palpation, then I'll use uh, the isometric. Now, isometrics are very useful because, you know, I mean, in terms of thinking about your listeners, you know, that's something you can do on your own. You don't need anybody to uh, be jumping in there. So they provide, um, they enable somebody to improve their range of motion without stretching. So they're able to increase their ability, uh, the, the ability of their muscular system to contract rather than actually reducing it by stretching and they'll still achieve in increases in range of motion. Which, which obviously, you know, I've, t I've talked a lot about this on the podcast, you know, just moving through full range of motion during exercise can and will maintain or improve flexibility, right. um, especially yeah. around, around the joint. And I'm glad you brought up the insertion and the origin because that's the main focus when a person's doing, and the thing that comes to mind right away for me is like a lap pull down. Um, mm -hmm. Most people, most people that I work with, I'll have them do a um, a supinated grip, so palms facing their face uh, yeah. on the bar or you know whatever mechanism, and then they pull straight down to their their collarbone, and you can see all sorts of limitations right away if uh, if you're really looking for them. You kind of adjust weight. There's you know, a couple different coaching cues, but if you don't have very good overhead posture, um, you know people people will try to tilt backwards. They'll try to um, keep their elbow uh, bent a little bit. So it's really coaching those cues of getting out of um, those bent motions and trying to opening up the shoulder, opening up your elbow, and and letting you work through that full range of motion. And those all starts that all starts with that insertion and the origin of of the muscle. So I'm glad you brought that up. Right. So when you're when you're measuring range of motion, uh, what other kind of things do you look for? Um, I'm also looking for, you know, where, if they can't pick that motion up at the hip, for example, then what do they do if I ask them to keep, keep trying, like, where do they pick that motion up from? So if they can't, you know, if they've got back trouble and they're trying to internally hip rotate and they can't do it, you might see motion at the trunk. Uh, you could even see shoulder compensation is possible, um, mm -hmm. ankle stuff. So you're looking at, you know, uh, you're trying to get an indication of exactly what's going on with their, with their bodies. And, you know, range of motion limitations give you a very, um, a very clear indication of, uh, of, of where, this, where this person is weak and why they're struggling with their knee or their hip or their ankle or whatever it, whatever it might be. So, you know, I kind of briefly discussed about um, how much force uh, can affect range, how too much force force can affect uh, range of motion right. and and can you dive a little deeper into that and, or and on the opposite side maybe not enough force 
Yeah. So, so, you know, if you're, if you're looking at, um, and it's sometimes difficult to tell, right. When you, when you're in the gym and you're, you're working out and, uh, we're talking about resistance training here, uh, exactly to know where the line is in terms of, uh, how much weight should you use and what's beneficial and what's not. So you've got a couple of indicators for sure. So, I mean, how you feel after the session and a couple of days afterwards is a pretty good indicator. If you find yourself in pain and not, not just from muscular soreness, but, you know, stuff doesn't feel good around the joint, then you're probably using too much force. But you can also look at uh, range of motion. So let me think of an example. Uh, well, let's say a leg extension, for example. If you actually look at how much knee extension you have before the exercise, so you see you take the pad away from, uh, you, you unhook your legs from the pad and you straighten one leg as far, far up as it will go and then you straighten the other one as far up as it will go and you do the exercise, you should find that you improve that range of motion after the exercise. If you find you can only get, you know, you're 20 degrees down on one side after the exercise, then the chances are for the, for, for the, uh, for the, for the muscles that you're trying to target you've used too much force. So if you, if you lose range of motion, that's a really good indicator that you're, you're overcooking it just a little bit. Now, I'm glad you used the, the leg extension machine because I think you and I discussed about um, just how, how that machine's been, and that motion's been taking a beating over the past like decade or so about how, you know, how terrible it is um, you know, for the knee joint. And if you're a person who's already having knee issues, then I can completely understand. But it definitely effectively works that the quad muscle and it can create a, a healthy joint around uh, the knee. So, yeah, I mean, um, and, you know, these are the same people that say people should not use the leg extension, but they should do a single leg squat. Now, you know, the forces that they, they vary according to where you're going to get a, a peak amount of force going through the joint, but it, it, they're, com they're comparable, you know, they're, they're, they're just, in different positions you know when you extend your leg fully on the leg extension that's when you're going to get the peak amount of force shear force going through the going through the knee joint but when you're in the bottom position of a squat or a single leg squat you're, you're going to get an equal amount of shear going through that knee joint at the, in that position so the you know and this this the, the, there's papers out there that show that but people don't look at that and you know i understand gym goers don't look at that but exercise professionals right. should be should be looking at that Right. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So let's stick with the strength side of things because um, I think that's obviously, um, you know, where, where both of our expertise kind of lies in, in, in relationship to mobility and using that full range of motion. So one thing that popped into my head, we were, we were kind of discussing, you know, a second podcast and getting this out there was um, where flexibility should lie when you're working through full range of motion. Because I see a lot of people who will perform an exercise, let's say like a chest press or, you know, you name one yourself, but yeah. they'll immediately stretch right after they perform a set. And I'm not right. talking like, not, not every single person does that. And maybe there's like, you know, specific goals uh, that, that might be able to be reached with that. But for the vast majority of people, how do you feel about that technique? Um, are you in favor of it? Are you against it? Does it fall in a kind of a gray area? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, st stretching is going to have a different effect for, for every person. And I think what tends to happen is you, your nervous system basically 
learns to tolerate it. I think that's probably the, the best you can hope for. So you do maintain range of motion, but you will probably lose uh, the ability to generate force. Yep. So, you know, we're not just looking at, uh, you know, just going through some simple arm circles or something like that after you've done the chest press. If you actually pin yourself against the wall and then rotate against it, so, you know, think about like a pec deck, but you're actively pushing away from that and really sticking a big stretch on that pec, then the possibilities are twofold. So firstly, you could affect the ability of that pec to generate force for several minutes after. Right. And secondly, the tissue that you're compressing on the other side of the joint is probably not going to be particularly happy either. So interestingly, I usually see the muscle that's being stretched recovers relatively quickly, but the muscles on the other side of the joint that were compressed I'm not happy for a good time afterwards. So, you know, if the, the best way you can knock a muscle out of action is by taking one end of it and the other end and pushing those together. So that, that compression, it seems to inhibit the muscle pretty quickly. So, you know, the stretching thing has many different, um, there's many different possibilities and there's a lot more, I think, negative stuff than there is positive stuff. So I, I think, think people right. should... You know, I think if people are going to stretch, if they really feel they want to, then probably best do that at the end of the uh, at the end of the workout rather than um, certainly in between sets because you're not really going to do yourself any favors with that. I don't think. Well, you just led me right into my next question because I was going to ask you where does not only stretching but where does MAT fall in terms of before, after, during uh, an, a strength training workout? So, yeah. So I mean. It, well, I haven't, this will give you an idea where I sit on this. <laughs> so I don't think I've stretched anybody for over seven years now. Okay. Um, and I don't stretch myself. And uh, I yeah. usually try to move people away from it if I can. So it's not that, um, you know, there are definitely people that can stretch and that seem to be fine. But there are a lot of people that do it and they're not fine um, and they're doing it stretching is a great way to manage symptoms right so if you've got something sore and you give it a good stretch you, you usually feel a bit better afterwards but normally that will come straight back again and you know all you've done effectively is in, inhibit the muscle right so you've reduced the sensation coming from the muscle but you've also reduced the ability of that muscle to contract so the long-term outlook of that stuff is not good because you're not, nothing's going to get improved by that. Right. You're just, you, you're kind of in this holding pattern, you know, you, you've got this symptom, you stretch it, you feel better for a bit and then it comes back again. And that, that is, I think very, very common. So MAT, because we're looking at things from the perspective that, you know, mu muscular tension, is set by the central nervous system so it's not a mistake so when you feel something is tight and i'm not talking about you just feel it's tight there's a definite range of motion difference you know so right. the classic is the hamstrings you know you can pull one leg up to 90 degrees and the other leg just sits about 45 okay so you have tightness in the muscular system for sure but that tightness is not a mistake 
So it's not something that you should necessarily override. It's something that maybe you need to try and work out, well, okay, so, so what's going on? If, for example, your hip flexors aren't working particularly well, then it's quite possible your hamstrings are gonna, are you gonna hold on in, in that position, right? So we're looking at the other side of the axis, usually for the solution. And people can try that, you know, when they feel, let's say, you know, you're lying on the floor and you take one leg out to the side into abduction and you can go a certain degree, you take the other leg out to the side and it doesn't go as far. So you can think, okay, I've got tight adductors, you know, the muscles on the inside of your thigh feel tight. They're limiting that, that range of motion. Or the abductors, the muscles that take the hip out, aren't contracting particularly well, right? So if you focus on the abductors, I guarantee 9.8 times out of 10, you're going to get increases in range of motion, okay? Now, the great thing about that is what you've just done is you've improved the capacity of your muscular system you haven't reduced its capacity. So you've, you've changed range of motion and you've also got stronger, which is a win-win, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so did you, did you, um, I, I, I just go back a little bit because you're, you're setting people up for, um, for strength training, right? So th these are things that you work on consistently, correct? <laughs> this, this isn't like a right before you work out, right before or right after you work out these are long-term pieces that you're working on over a long period of time yes yeah, so you know i will have before i start strength training with a client i will have seen them for at least five to right. ten mat sessions before straight off the bat so i'll have a pretty good idea of where where this person's weaknesses are right. and where i need to focus on the, on the strength training so i may use mat as a quick check to see where they're at that day before i put them on the, in the gym and I may also put them on the table before they leave to see exactly what, what, what I've done <laughs> uh -huh. with, the, yeah. with, with the, with the exercises. Um, and it becomes, um, it's, it's my checks and balances, you know, it, it, it informs me of how the client's body is on the day. And it also informs me, you know, how, how am I doing with this person? Cause I, I should, have less limitations the longer I, I work with them right that's right. the goal so that would be an indication to me that this person's getting stronger yeah i completely agree so when i when i think about this this flexibility issue um that that we see with people especially ones that i work with you know you and i and i do stretching with people mostly at the very end um it's very limited and honestly it's it's mostly kind of a um most like a relaxation type uh technique sure. foam 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 rolling also uh sometimes do a little bit of a mobility warm up in, in the shoulders depending on the person and things like that but when i when i see these these people talk about when i first stretch them they'll say after a workout um right away if i just begin working with them they'll immediately say now you're gonna know i'm you're gonna notice i'm really really tight in the hamstrings or tight in whatever <laughs> muscle group and right away i always think to myself I'm like you're probably not as tight as you actually think you are unless there's been like you know some kind of injury around that joint or around that muscle or something like that uh now obviously you know if you're a person who sits 10 hours at a desk you know your hamstrings are going to be turned off and things like that that might be a different issue but I always like to, to ask them, how flexible do you think you need to be? 
because right. like during your daily activities, if you're not hindered by your range of motion, uh, in like a painful way or, or something that you think that you need to try to find a workaround, then you're probably not as, as tight as you think you are. But yeah. going back to what you're saying, I mean, those are those things that you're trying to work around. You're, you're trying to uh, not, not work around. You're trying to find a direct way to fix those, those issues. If a person is trying to find a workaround, um, you know, if you have, yeah. an, you have an injured knee or something and you're trying to squat down, of course, you're going to, um, you know, it, it kind of, it moves up chain and down chain. So that person's hip might start to hurt on the opposite side or their lower back starts to hurt. And that's where they think the issue is, but it all kind of maybe stems back to, uh, what actually happened in that knee joint and where are you overcompensating in other areas? And, and that's what I think I, I find so interesting when people talk about their flexibility and the range of motion is where they think they're flexible or they're not as flexible in. It's usually not the root cause. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah, I think that, you know, go, going back to just what you just said there, you know, people's so tight, tightness is a, a sensation right right so you know people can feel tightness in muscle groups that aren't contracting at all so if you're using a sensation to guide what approach you need to use then you you've got an issue because you don't rely on that right so i'm not saying you particularly i'm just saying you know people <laughs> you know you know people have this thing right they've yeah. got this back thing it's a classic they've got this yeah oh, this is really sore it's really tight it feels tight down here and they're sticking spiky balls in it. They're, you know, they've got stretching three different ways over a bosa or whatever. And when you actually get down to it, there's nothing in that area that's contracting at all. Right. So the, the sensation can be very misleading and that can lead. I think that's a huge issue in rehab, right? Because most, and I did this for years. I, I, I was just chasing people's, you know, pain around, you know, oh, it's this. And then, and oh, and it's when I do that. And when I get in this position, it's here and you're, you're in there trying to, you know, trigger pointing, massaging, whatever. And then it just moves somewhere else. Like you just, you, you're just chasing your tail around all the time. So I think, you know, I definitely listen to what people say to me, um, of course, but I really go by what I see on the table. What, what can't they do on the table? And it's usually the things that they can't do Th those are the things that are contributing to the situation. Definitely. Yeah. I like the idea of, I like the idea of, uh, of keeping things even and balanced. So like during workouts, I feel like for the most part, and I'm, I'm specifically speaking of those people uh, that you were just mentioning who are constantly stretching and overstretching and sending those signals of, you know, be more flexible to certain areas where if you build like a if you build a sensible program for people that that is going to keep uh, the body balanced through strength a little bit of flexibility some uh, simple range of motions in terms of tasks like can they pick things up can they put things yeah. overhead you know can they stand correctly if yeah. if you build programs around those basic functions i think most of the body can be self correcting but yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, seem like foo-foo about the whole situation. I know that people go through their entire life where it, it feels like they're always aches and pains and, and some people 
you know, unfortunately live with that and, and maybe haven't found the right system for them, or maybe they're driving themselves into the ground all the time. But yeah, yeah I truly, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to find that usually, I mean, chronic pain's a, a very complicated subject and I'm certainly not an expert on that. Yeah, me either. But I, I, I think, you know, most people that are suffering from these things have tried 15 different things but they haven't followed a sensible strength training program for a period of time. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, if, if it's correctly set up, if you're working with people within people's active range of motion. So I think that was the other thing we were going to talk about, you know, when you, when you're setting up exercises, just make sure that when somebody performs the exercise, you know, let's say it's a single joint exercise, like let's go, let's go to a leg curl then. So they have control of that weight throughout the range of motion. So when they come up into that knee extended position, they can actually attain that position under their own steam. So they're not being forced into a passive range. In other words, the machine isn't stretching them so that they're in control of that all the way through. And you're respecting people's settings on different days. So on some day, they're gonna, they're gonna have more range of motion. On other days, they might not because of X, Y, and Z. If, if people are following that kind of strength training and it's nice and progressive and it's not too silly, then these kind of things will melt away. You know, there will always be outliers that don't respond. But for the vast majority of people, sensible strength training will remove a lot of this stuff because it will just improve the ability of their, their muscular systems to contract, right? Yeah, you exactly. Know, as long as it's set up as an appropriate challenge, a challenge Yep. You, you know, you're, you're on a winner, really. It's just when people are trying, you know, and I'm not going to go into 15 other techniques that people can do, but, you know, you know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're doing stretch classes. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're doing, you know, it's, and this, <sighs> they're still in pain. You know, I think if people are listening to this and they're in pain and they've been doing the same thing for a long time, try, you know, try something else because it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you what you're doing to to your body you know and i think that's what we talked about in the last podcast as well that's the frustrating thing is that there's so much stuff out there that's nonsense you know in terms of you know if you're going to spend three hours a week working out you can get so much bang for your buck if you do a sensible strength training routine as opposed to so many other things yeah you know it's that's that's kind of frustrating because the answer's there but people are being driven down all these uh, dead ends, I would say, trying yeah. all this other fancy stuff. They don't need to do that. Well, that's a really good point you made because I see it, and I'm sure you see it all the time where um, you, uh, let's say I, I'm training somebody and, uh, you know, I, I ask them like, you know, so what's going on the rest of the week? Well, tomorrow I've got spin class and then I'm going to go to Pilates <laughs> and then I'm going to go. So you have all of these like acute things that come up all right. of the time that are sending signals uh, and there, there's zero rest involved. And we, you and I haven't right. talked about rest, but the rest is so crucial to send the right amount of stimulus to your body and for you to be able to rest appropriately to receive that stimulus and your body's ability to recover and then yeah. perform it again effectively. That yeah. should be the focus of every sensible strength training or any kind of program for that yeah. matter is the body's Absolutely. ability to 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 adapt and to change, we all know that's, that's, that's incredible. Like it, it can adapt to anything 
we give it over time unless it's so overwhelmed by all of these different activities that yeah. it starts developing these chronic issues that you and I just discussed. And, uh, and I, and it's, it is, it's super frustrating because the, the people that I deal with on a daily basis, you know, they have the time, the freedom, um, and the financial means to, to do all of these different things. Yeah. Right. So you've got this person who's literally Paul taking like two to three Pilates classes a day and then coming <laughs> and then coming, I'm not joking. And then coming to strength train and then they're going to like a yoga or a spin class later that day. And it's just, yeah. and that's a day in and day out, day in and day out. And you know, no wonder people have yeah. all these, all these uh, issues that we're, we're talking about. It's just, it, it's so true. Uh, sorry, I just I'll finish my rant here. It's so true that it, <laughs> it in terms of in terms of exercise, less truly is more. Yeah. Uh, okay, absolutely. go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I'm just gonna absolutely. I mean people are training like athletes and they're not athletes. Yeah. And you know, then the other thing to remember is that most most athletes are in pain. So if if you're actually looking for you know, you just want your body to function well. You want to have less pain. You want to do the things that you want to do. You know, you can strength train two hours a week and you can get that from that. Yeah. If you do it well, it's done. You don't need to be doing three, four hours of stuff a day. No, no way. Absolutely no way. I mean, if you do, it's a choice, but don't expect things to improve. It's not like the more you do, the better you'll get. It's not. Yeah. It's That's just exactly the right, right amount, right? It's the right amount. You, you provide the stimulus. You get yeah. the response and then you, you go again. Well, someone described it, you know, as a, it's like the sun, sun tanning, right? You just, you go out in the sun. I mean, I'm in London. I don't do that too much, right? So <laughs> you, you go out in the sun, you, you spend a certain amount of time, you come in again, and then you're going to see over the next few hours exactly what you've done. And it takes time. You don't sit out in the sun for, for eight hours every day because the chances are you you know, it's not good, right? Right. So, so you just need the stimulus, just enough stimulus. You get the response, you adapt, and then you stimulate again, right? That that's it. It's uh, you. I think you're absolutely more the 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 you know the the lines where the optimal amounts are much much lower than people realize, and much much lower than people are sold to believe as well, right? Because that's the other problem. Definitely. We're, we're always more is better. Harder is better. No, the right yeah. amount is better. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, it, it, we're kind of set up in, in the fitness industry. Unfortunately, we we're kind of working against the grain because, you know, people that we deal with are, they're taught to go hard all of the time. So when they come in and they train, most of them might train extremely hard, but they're, they're doing it too often uh, with yeah. not enough sleep, with poor nutrition. Right. And those things are also keys to success as well. One more thing that I, I'll mention um, before we wrap this up is you kind of triggered my memory. And this is just about a week ago. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with somebody and they keep having this nagging hamstring issue that kind of flares up out, out of nowhere. And I'm asking them what they've been doing. And like, well, I only did uh, a cardio class yesterday. And then I did some walking on the treadmill. And I'm here today. And I'm going to go walk later. And then I'm going to go. And there was, it was, I was, you're chasing all these points. I'm like, wait, so you, what kind of work did you do? So, oh, it was just a small uh, circuit training class. I'm like, did you use dumbbells? Did you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you got lit, probably a little bit of strength training it. And now you're working out today with me. 
I'm like, this is why you're doing too much. Your body doesn't know what to do. And she looked at me dead in the eye, dead serious. She goes, well, that's not true. If I was doing too much, then I wouldn't have body fat still. And I, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I stopped because I, yeah. I, was just, I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're, let's start from scratch. And then we, yeah. we just had a conversation the rest of the appointment. You know, the 30-minute appointment, 20 minutes of it was just us talking about that whole sending the stimuli. And, and I could yeah. tell, man, I could tell she didn't quite get it. And it's going to take time over time. But that's part of the learning process, I think, that uh, as professionals, we have to keep that in mind that when mm. people come in, just because they're coming in to see you doesn't mean they have everything clicking on the outside. So that, that's super important. And then things like coupled with what you're doing with your clients, some sexual strength training, some MAT, um, but not too much. Finding the right amount of dose for you and making sure you're keeping up with everything else on the outside, uh, I think that can lead to some real success, man. Yeah, I mean, I think you know that just the, the case that you just that you just uh, the example you just gave. I think that there are a lot a lot of people like I mean, you know, that's it goes into there's an an emotional attachment to to whatever they're doing, and they're they're very fearful that if they just oh, dial yeah. it down a bit, then they're going to get fat or they're going to get this or they're going to get. But you know, the the, the truth, you know, most of these people are chronically inflamed, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know you you have no hope of losing any body fat if you're if you're inflamed. There's no there's no way there's no way you're you're in a you're in a stress response. You're in you're not in a good in a, in a good situation for losing body fat. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean just to finish, I mean that's I think that's the good thing about and this is something that people can maybe do for themselves as well. If they this is a good indication that you're doing too much. If you're losing range of motion, if you're feeling tighter all the time then the chances are you're overcooking it, right? Because you're just knocking muscles out left, right, and center. And the ones that are working are holding on for dear life. Right. So, you know, so the, the people that are super, super tight are actually super, super weak. You know, you, you just need to explore that a little bit and just back off the exercise because that, that, that's what's going on. Yeah. And there, and there are a lot of different ways we can get into that. Um, maybe on a different podcast about, what that looks like from a tapering standpoint, you know, from taking a step back instead of, right. instead of somebody, especially if you're working by yourself, instead of doing three to four sets of something, it's, it can be as simple as trying to find the right amount of weight for one or two sets of maybe a little bit of a higher repetition range and then be done. You're done with that. Walk away from it. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's, I mean, that's probably that's a really good topic for another, another time, but uh, look, Paul, um, where if people have any questions comments concerns uh want to learn more about what you're doing and maybe how to help themselves a little more where's the best place to get a hold of you um just go to the website so that's human-movement.com um and yeah drop me a line you can join the mailing list um or yeah just just feel free to email me um yeah it'd be good to hear from you i kind of want to i want to trade you websites because the human movement <laughs> Like you take ericfeigl.com and let me have human hyphen movement dot, and then, and we'll be good. And we'll just like go along our ways. Cause I, I still like one of my favorite freaking website names uh, that I've come across. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm good. Well, that would involve a name change for me as well. Though, wouldn't it? <laughs> good point. Good point. But all right, Paul, I, again, I appreciate you. And I hope people reach out to learn a little bit more about what they can do to help themselves. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
Pleasure. Thanks, Eric. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform, at Eric Feigl, or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor.